Our next guest is Pastor Dylan, a man born and raised in South Africa. He is the founder and senior pastor of Link Church, a church which has grown from only 14 people in a room to thousands, gathering weekly and reaching thousands through online platforms and Link TV. He's passionate about people and believes that the most beautiful people come from South Africa. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome Pastor Dylan Young. Dylan, welcome, man. It's good to be here. Excited for what you're doing, what you're seeing. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can help today. So good to be here, man. Great. Um, I appreciate you coming here. I have uh, been a huge follower of yours. One of the things on my bucket list for 2020 was to visit Link Church. And, you know, I appreciate what you guys are doing up there and just come and, uh, come and get to experience everything firsthand. We have been seeing everything, copying and pasting and acting like it's our own ideas. Obviously, that was BC before Corona, but like um, we're following your grind. Uh, that's awesome, man. I appreciate it. And uh, I actually, I was just talking about your brand yesterday. I love the B-R-A-N-D, the brand culture that you've set apart. And I, I can see you've got a passion for brands. So yes. kind of excited that you like ours. You know, that means uh, we're somewhere in the line of what you like. So it's good to you, be a part of it, man. You are, you are massively. I, I, I love the spiel. I love everything about your brand. Um, I, which, which leads into my first question, actually, which is how do you guys use creativity to enhance your messaging? Because I see this year with I see color. You guys have the whole color thing going on on stage, which is amazing, by the way. Yeah. So how do you guys, how have you guys used creativity to enhance your your messaging? Look, I think, um, first of all, it'd be cool if you visited us. Like, I think there's still time in 2020. Let's, let's believe that could still happen. Yeah. But um, I think when it comes to creativity, it's just who we are. So one thing I encourage churches and even brands and, and businesses to think about is to be true to yourself. You know, So I've always had a passion for uh, creative innovation. Um, I love brands. I love brands that talk. I love brands that uh, translate well in different mediums, whether it's clothing or a screen or whatever. So... I think from when we first started the church, as passionate as I was to build a people around faith, I was as excited to build a brand that was inspiring for people because it's just, it's who I am. I wanted people to look at Link and go, not only are the people amazing to be around, not only is the church an incredible environment, but actually what it says when you're nowhere near the people of the building is still something inspiring. So I guess from day one, we've always said, let's let our brand inspire people. Let's let our language, let's let our colors, let's let our graphic design. So true story, actually, in the early days, the first person I hired was a media guy, which was totally against the kind of church thing, you know. So we hired a media guy and uh, he got started on Facebook, Instagram, all those things like 10 years back, whatever it was. And so it's always been in us. It's just true to who we are. We're not trying to do it because it's what's expected. It's just, I think, who we are and who I am. So I guess it's just the overflow. Wow. And it's 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 amazing that you you actually hired uh, a media guy, a person who was going to focus on that. Because most churches traditionally would focus on other things and not um, uh, focus on 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 media. And 
um, just 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 a follow up question on that and how how much of like uh, how much do you normally set aside for media marketing branding and so that you can push out your brand out there you don't have to give us a figure but i'm just yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a great question. I think um, it's changed over the years. So in the early days, we were a very small church. So when we hired a media guy, it seemed like it was a very um, weighty amount compared to what we were doing in our church. But as the team has grown, as the church has grown, so our media team have become more agile. So we probably have a staff of about 16 people and wow. about seven of those are dedicated toward creative media. So wow. I would say it's just on, almost on half is dedicated toward creative media. And that's not just the stuff people see on our Instagram profile. That's quite a small part of it. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the creativity in our church. It's the environments. It's the uh, Sunday messages, how they get packaged. Uh, our online studio is quite, an, quite a uh, labor-intensive space, could I say. Um, so I would say half of our efforts are going to media. And it's funny, like you call it BC. Um, I think in Corona now, it's changed a little bit. So we've almost swung 80% toward media, right? Because that's where everyone is. So I'm not sure what it means coming out of it, but for sure, our bias is going more toward that part of the world. So I would say even financially, we spend almost half of our resource on just creative media and the way we produce things. And so I think it's reaching way more people, you know, than the building itself. So it's really exciting. And obviously time will tell what that becomes. Great. I actually love how you're answering these questions because it's making it easy for me leading into my next question. And um, for, for this particular uh, question, uh, you know, most churches were hit pretty hard with, uh, with this pandemic and they were not checked, they were not ready for what was coming. I, I remember with, in, in our own ministry, uh, one of the things is we, we, we had an online presence, but we were not necessarily going live every Sunday. Um, so like if we're not prepared for that. So my, my question is, how has this pandemic changed the way that you lead your, 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 your church? And what are, the, some, what are some of the things that you didn't do before that, you are, that this pandemic kind of pushed you to it? Yeah, that's, again, great question. So I guess before, like our team, if you're not church, if you're not team, we love hanging out. So one of the practical things that's happened is we're no longer in the same room. So the energy of the room has changed. So now it's yeah. the energy of Zoom, right? Yeah. And uh, so anyway, we've been doing all our team meetings on Zoom. All our collaboration happens on Zoom. What it's done though, is it's pushed us into a way more streamlined creative process. So I guess the, the online stuff we were doing before kind of Corona took place. And so we had an online service, we had online pastors, we have people interacting. But if I'm honest, our intentionality wasn't that strong. And there were a lot of people, perhaps you're one of them, that have been leaning in or watching us or kind of figuring out who we are for a while now. Yeah. If I'm really honest, we weren't always talking back to. And I think in this time and season, what we've done is we've become way more intentional. We've said, okay, guys, listen, we've always had the platforms, but we haven't always had good contact. And so now it's like, all right, so our team are meeting in Zoom rooms. But that also means if we can have the same experience with each other in a Zoom room, that means I could have it with guys like Tyron in Zoom rooms across, across the country and even across the world. So it's changed the way we think about contact. And I guess one of the things we keep saying is the goal here is not content, guys. You know, the, the online world, the frenzy, businesses, churches, they all kind of did everything they can to get online. And their goal was content. Let's just have online content. And I said, guys, that's not our goal. Our goal is contact. We want to, we want to make contact with people. We want to make connections. We want to make meaningful connections. And so we don't want to like, 
play this part in the content war. We're not in that game. We're in it for contact. We want to see people, meet people. And so I guess it's changed from before being just a content thing, I like, to now kind of going, all right, guys, contact's a big deal in this new media world. And so I guess we're putting more energy into that now. Oh, I like that. I like that very much. I think uh, I forgot who it, who it was. And they were saying that um, uh, it takes about two, two years for culture to change, you know, uh, innovation to change culture rather. Um, but it takes the church about five to 10 years to, to catch up to that. Um, how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you see, how do you see uh, the church changing uh, with, with this, everything that that is happening now? How do you see the church uh, changing in the next maybe two to five years? How do you see, because uh, I, I believe even after the lockdown, we might not be allowed to meet more than 100 people. Uh, I'm not sure, but it's, it's, a, it's a possibility. But then how do you see all of that changing? And um, one of the things that I've been thinking about, even in our own ministry, is how can we uh, prepare for the future? So I, I don't like playing catch up. I'd rather be prepared and solve the problems before they happen. Yeah, I don't know if it makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And uh, man, I'd love to have more people in this discussion because I think there's no one perfect answer. Uh, so again, for us, creativity and media is going to become a big part of the church's future. I think the way we connect with people, even if I just think about Africa, I mean, my heart is Africa, right? The icy color thing is all about Africa, really. It's a God thing, but it's really an African spirit that it comes from. And the goal is for me is to light up the hearts of the millions that call South Africa home and ultimately Africa. And so when I look at that, I go, how does the church do that? Because most people don't have access to great church buildings. Uh, we've got bus transport that come in and, you know, we've done what we can in our communities. But if we're going to reach the country, if we're going to reach all the communities, it's going to happen through mobile phones because many do. They say up to 80% of our nation has mobile phones. Not all of them have access to data that can see video, but most have access to data that can hear audio. And uh, certainly with the internet innovation that's happening, a lot of Wi-Fi is being given to communities, slightly poorer communities, if you like, or less accessible communities. Yeah. And so what's happening for us as a church is we're saying the goal here is to get the message of hope. The goal is not to build our campaign. The goal yeah. is to see Jesus light up hearts. So, going, so coming out of this space, I think all it does, it's always been in us. We've always believed this and we've perhaps moved a bit slowly toward it. What this does is it kind of catalyzes. It kind of says, all right, guys, there's a moment in time. We can talk about that later. There's a, there's a Kairos moment where actually there's an opportunity for us to move into spaces that we've always believed in, but now we can really go after them. So I think church buildings are here to stay, if I'm honest. I think big gatherings will come back to being a normal thing. There's nothing like being in this big, anthemic stadium of faith and so you know much like we pack our sports stadiums i do think i do think churches will still have a space for that anthemic feel and momentum that builds but beyond that i do think there's equal importance we're going to play on the one and the two and the three that are maybe just in their home and we could actually speak to them with the same level of intentionality that we do to this massive room so i think that's some of the stuff that's happening and uh super excited about it to be honest Wow, and I see, I see that you guys um, have been heavily involved in helping the community, uh, giving out um, uh, food stuff to 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 the community, which which is pretty uh, great. I, I I was I was having a conversation with someone, and I'm saying it's only those churches that are doing ministry now that are going to be relevant um, after this whole situation, and. Um, so true. 
is 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 this something that you guys are very intentional about when you are thinking about these things and going into the community or, or it's just who you are yeah again uh, i think a lot of it's just who we are we've been when we were a small church we made a small impact when we got a bit bigger we made a slightly bigger impact and now we have a little bit of momentum and so it looks like more impact but it's it's just true of who we've always been what we did do those a, a few years back is we set up a foundation and uh, we call it like a portal of change or whatever you want to call it. But the goal for that foundation is not just for Link to be a, a kind of helping hand in the community. It's for anybody that doesn't know how they can make a difference to be able to contact us. It's an easy access point for anyone and everyone to make a difference in the community. So what's happened recently is a lot of businesses, a lot of schools have actually chosen to partner with us because we have access. They've chosen to partner with us in the way that we're being a blessing to the community. So you're getting this really cool like collaboration happening um, with, and even government, local government has been amazing in partnering with us and local police stations. And so it's been really awesome to see how our heart to serve the community, which again is just true of who we are, has attracted others who aren't sure what to do. And so now there's a slight bit more momentum coming. And I genuinely am believing that this thing is going to snowball into something like massive in terms of how we uplift communities we have education programs employment programs wow. and i think all those things have always been good but now they're going to become like exciting you know it's going to be like business gets behind it and we're able to multiply it. so i hope that answers but that's really where we're at now so it, 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 you answered well you really did i'm gonna i'm gonna play a game with you um simple game so the game is would you rather you know the game right <laughs> kind of. Okay, so I will give you two options and you just choose one. Right. So I'll start off very easy. Would you rather live in Paris or New York? New York. Why? <laughs> oh, I love the city. Big noise, big buzz, wow. uh, culture, music scene, blues, love a bit of blues. Mm. So, yeah. Have you been? I have. I've been a few times to New York. It's one of my favorite places. Wow, amazing. All right, um, would you rather read a book or listen to a podcast or audiobook? I love reading books. Paper, paper, right? Wow. Uh, so for me, uh, if I can hear the pages of paper turning, uh, my heart's coming alive. I listen to a lot of podcasts, but I would go, I would go book. I'm reading some great books at the moment. Uh, which, which books are you current, currently reading? So there's a good friend of mine, John Marcoma. He writes a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, which is kind of appropriate. He, he wrote the book long before this whole pandemic happened, but wow. it's awesome. It talks about what it means to find a slower rhythm to life that produces greater, greater uh, fruit, I suppose. So I've been reading that. And then also, uh, I think it's called The Power of Favor by Joel Osteen, which is really just a, a kind of motivator, I guess. And uh, yeah, obviously the Bible, big fan. <laughs> the, the most selling book. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, what's, what's, what, which one has been your favorite book? I mean, all time. Ooh, all time. Wow. Yeah. That's a big question. Uh, I loved Stephen Furtick's Sun Stand Still. Wow. Uh, it wow. was one of my favorite books. It's one of my uh, prayers that I have often is to cause, you know, ask God for the sun to stand still over moments that we can enjoy them. Wow. Um, so I just, I just think uh, that was probably one of the most impactful books. But if I'm honest, also John Marcoma, the same guy that writes this Elimination of Hurry, he wrote a book called God Has a Name, and it is awesome. It's an easy read. I'd encourage it for anybody. And uh, we preached a series on it actually called Yahweh and its power. I, I, I watched the series, yeah. I watched the series. Oh, awesome. Yeah. 
Um, um, next question: Would would you rather be stuck on an island with Jay Z or Kanye West? Oh, that's too big. I like them both, man. I I think in this present moment, it would be Kanye West. Uh, I say that, yeah. <laughs> I think if you had asked me a few years back, I might have said Jay Z. Yeah. But um, I would love to get into both of their minds. They are geniuses, as geniuses as the into the way that they translate culture, right? Amazing. They're awesome. Yeah. Um, this this is a very common one. Apple or Samsung? <laughs> Apple every day of the oh, week. What are you on, on, bro? Come on. I'm I'm like one of those people on, on Huawei. <laughs> Oh, hey, okay. <laughs> they're doing some pretty cool stuff at the moment. They are, they are, yeah. So the uh, P30, okay, there's the P40 now, but uh, like you still get everything that you get on 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 the iPhone, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, man, you you probably get more. To be very honest, I'm just uh, I'm Apple bound. I've got all this stuff from a back there dream. So I just I'm one of those guys. Uh, it's 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 the ultimate marketing story with with Apple. True. It's just how they market. I I I used to a huge fan of Steve Jobs, um, um, trying to get into his brain, how he thinks and how he markets. I mean, how does a guy in in blue jeans and a white t-shirt just come out and rock and say, <laughs> "Imagine walking with a thousand songs in your pocket." I'm like, wow, wow. Yeah, he he's a he's as good as a visionary gets, right? I mean, he uh. He was unassuming. He said things that were against the grain. He got fired from a job in creating, and uh, and yet vision was in him, right? I think that's the, one of the things with vision I love. And I mean, we, I guess, going down a rabbit trail. But I love I love people that don't try and be something futuristic. It's just who they are, right? Yeah. So I love what you're doing with the show, even as you're explaining to me what you're trying to go after and how it's all leading towards some some writing that's happening. Uh, I love that it just seems to be who you are. Just in the brief moment we've had. It's just who you are. You dream of things for the future. You want to see people come alive in leadership and entrepreneurship. So it's pretty cool, man. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Um, this one is easy. Um, <laughs> would you rather watch a movie or sport? Uh, I would probably go movie. <gasps> in my younger years, in my younger years, I would have said sports. And, uh, and I love sport, right? And I'm really good friends, in fact, with Sia Khaleesi, so he would hate hearing wow. this. Wow. But uh, I, would, I, would, uh, I would prefer movies over sport. I'll tell you why, because it challenges my imagination. And uh, I love the scripting. I love the, the role play. I love the branding. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, for me, it would probably be that, but it would be a close call. It really just depends what day it is. And if the Springboks are playing the All Blacks, that's an easy win, you know? Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, would you rather spend, um, you know, this lockdown period without your phone or spend it with someone? Yeah, I would spend it with, yeah, <laughs> I would spend it without my phone and with someone I love for sure. Wow. Yeah. That's, that, that was, that was easy. I knew you were going to say that obviously. <laughs> I have yeah. to, bro. <laughs> okay. Moving on. Um, how do you how do you handle the, the business side of ministry? Because I've I've seen that most uh, churches have like have a problem handling the business side of ministry. Maybe they, the the spiritual aspect is great, uh, the creative side not like 
just the business aspect of ministry, I think it's, it plays a large role in, in how successful ministry gets. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's so true, man. And I think uh, for me, again, I grew up in a home with a great businessman as a dad. Oh. And uh, I, watched, I watched him build slowly. I didn't see him do it overnight. Uh, we, we had seasons where we had nothing. We had seasons where we had much. But mm-hmm. he's just been very consistent in what he's modeled. And so for me, I noticed rhythms within business that were just healthy. It wasn't about making lots of money. It was just about healthy rhythms. And so I think if people bring that into the church and they go, they're just healthy things about building the future that matter. It's not about you know, running it to make a quick profit or running it to get the next big thing. It really is just healthy uh, rhythms, healthy principles that whether it's a church, whether it's a business, whether it's a home, are going to work every time. So I'm, I'm not precious about how much money is in the bank, but I am pretty strong on how we build. And oh. I think excellence is a big deal for us at Link Church. Um, you'll notice that in everything we do, it's not perfection. It's just that we're giving everything to every detail. And so excellence is a big deal. And I've watched it again. That's just something I've watched. So that is a good business principle, right? And so I guess if somebody doesn't value excellence, it won't play out in the business of how they build their church. And again, it's just true to who we are. But I would say to people that don't think business matters with the church, hire somebody close to you who does. Because it's awesome if you love the Bible. It's awesome if you're amped about storytelling. It's awesome if you just want to care for people. But you do need someone that aligns the process, that makes it work, that helps it move, that helps it grow. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been fortunate. I've got a little bit of it out of me. It's not all there, but a little bit. But again, I've got people around me that are well uh, thought out or good business guys. They help us make tactical calls. And like you said, I guess it's just the, it's the foundation for good ministry. It's not, the, it's not the end goal, but it's a good foundation for hard moves. So I think it's a big deal. Again, great answer leading into my next question, actually, uh, which is uh, uh, based on uh, how do you work through difficult leadership decisions? So do you consult your people that you, um, you know, consult with, which you partially answered? But I want to I find out uh, what some of the people that like, you, you speak to and you just go and say, man or pastor, leader, I have a situation here, very difficult leadership decision I need to make. Yeah, look, again, big deal. And uh, I've got some really good friends. So I've got friends in the church. Uh, they would be like our lead team. Uh, there are five of us. Um, and two of them are like some of my best friends. So they know me inside out. They can be honest with me. Two of them are business minds that I bring into decisions for our local church so that they can challenge some of what we're thinking and just help us get clarity on those things. So they're just business guys, really good business guys. We love God, love people. And then I have friends outside of our church, which are for decisions that are, totally non-related to our church sometimes. And sometimes when we get stuck on the inside, I get them in- involved, you know? So I've got a good friend, Rory Dyer, who lives in Pretoria. He's an amazing friend, good father, businessman, church leader, pastor. And then Phil Dooley, who's a uh, Hillsong Cape Town, and South Africa actually pastor. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's a good friend of mine. So we bounce questions off each other, depending on what the, what the thing is. But uh, again, so I always say to people, whenever you get stuck, put yourself in the room of bigger people. Wow. Like, and so I often get stuck and my goal is not to get unstuck in myself. It's to just get in the room with big people. You'll be surprised how that gets you unstuck, you know? So that's kind of how I've always flowed, how I've lived life, I guess. Oh, great. Um, I, I believe that uh, crazy, uh, how I think sometimes is just crazy. I believe that pastors need to go to church and I don't mean necessarily the, 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 the branch they pastor, but I mean, they need to, 
um, sit under someone's word and listen to other people and also just 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 to listen to other people um how who are some of the people that you listen to you know i mean when you go to church who, who are some of the people that you listen to yeah i agree man i think that's a big deal for us to just sit under leadership and sit under teaching so at church i would do that i would preach two or three times a month and then the other two weeks i'd be there anyway and i'd be listening to the, those that are preaching taking notes and just listening to what god has to say through others but then also outside of our church walls Stephen Furtick has been a voice that I've been following for a long time. I've actually had a chance to meet him and uh, wow. it was great. And so I've really uh, leaned into his voice uh, on leadership. Craig Grishel has been incredible. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, they're amazing guys uh, on thinking and mindsets for culture. A guy like Tim Keller has been incredible. Uh, more recently, guys like Mike Todd or I am Mike Todd, as he calls himself, wow. um, I think have, have pushed forward. And I listen to a lot of what he has to say around culture and what it means for God to meet with that. And so I guess there are a whole lot. I tune in on different seasons, but there are three big ones. Rory Dyer, my pastor, he's my pastor. He literally pastors me. He lives in Pretoria. Uh, uh, Stephen Furtick, again, just for the way that he sees the Bible and makes it come alive. And in more recent times, Joseph Prince. Um, I've actually been out to his wow. church, spent some time in his leadership uh, with some friends. And uh, yeah, he's, he's just an incredible thinker on the word. So that matters to me, you know, so yeah. Wow. Great pastors, great pastors. I love Stephen Furtick, Joseph Prince, Craig. Oh wow! Um, well, I think I listen to Craig Groeschel almost every day. Obviously, with the uh, oh, wow. leadership podcast, um, I, I love how he thinks. I love the creativity of their church. They, they have done some pretty amazing things in terms in, in the creative yeah. space in their church, and how just just how. I love getting into people's minds and understanding how they think, how they process. And Pastor Stephen is one of those people. How he thinks is like out of this world. Next he, level, bro. He's, he's, he's crazy. He's crazy. He's crazy. Then you, then you hear him preach and you see him jumping and kicking chairs. And you're just like, how do you do that? Yeah, look, he, he is the most african-american white american that i've ever seen in my life right <laughs> he he is so at home in like big gospel style preach it through the sky people off their seats i've been to his church a few times and uh you'll be surprised how often the front rows are jumping up and shouting him down you know i kind of dream of that for our context but uh <laughs> he's he's awesome he's he's really awesome yeah it's crazy now my next question um this is uh I think I need to write a book called Chronicles of uh, um, the Troubles of a Youth Pastor, something like that. But anyway, <laughs> some other time. <laughs> but anyway, my, my, my next question is, um, how do you sermon prep? You know, how do you sermon prep? I think it's it's something that uh, I've, I've, I've been asking different people, different leaders, how they sermon prep, uh, trying to understand if there's a process, if there's a mindset, if they get help from other people, yeah, how do you do it? Yeah, look, in the early days, I was just desperate to know what to do next. So I would listen to a bunch of sermons. I would kind of take all the gold and I would try to package it. And, you know, and I was just learning. I was just trying to find a rhythm. But in the last few years, at least five or six years, I found more of my own sort of groove and style and uh, thoughts. And I guess what it is is for guys who are prepping sermons to get to the point where they trust what God is saying to them as helpful to others. And that they're not preaching messages that everyone likes them and follows them and, you know, shares it, but that people actually go home and live better lives. 
And wow. so when that started to be the motivation, it changed the way I preached, changed the way I prepped. So for me, it starts with capture. Uh, I just, uh, I'll be walking through life. I'll notice something. I'll see it's a need and I'll just write it down. It could be wow. like parents don't know what to do with their children. Or it could be like church leaders have no idea how to navigate business decisions. Or it could be, it could be anything. It could be, we don't know how to cross uh, hard rivers or hard borders, if you like. And then I'll go to Joshua. So for me, it starts with like just an idea what's going on in society. Like I want to feel the need. And then from that place, I just spend my normal time in, in prayer and quiet time reading the Bible as I would anyway. And as things that are in that process jump out to me or little things that God takes me on a journey on, then I start to write that under the thoughts. And then from there, I get a message. So my, my, uh, some of my team, they laugh at me, right? Because they say I preach messages, I prep messages in 20 minutes. And uh, that's, wow. true if you, that's true if you watch me write down, but it's not true if you know where it started. Wow. And so for me, messages, some messages begin last year. Some messages like now are beginning that I'll only preach probably a year from now. But wow. the thought got me thinking and I had to go on a journey before God wanted to speak to me. Otherwise, it's, here's a topic, Google the scripture, right? You know, every classic thing, Google scriptures yeah. on fear. And I just, I just don't feel like, it's okay, it's a good thing, right? But I just feel like God wants us to have a genuine journey. So I want the thoughts he gives me to happen by accident, not because I went and topically searched it, you know? Oh, so that's yeah. been a, some, and then for me, that, that all sometimes comes together in a moment, like last week's message. Uh, I guess I'd been thinking about it for years and it uh, came together in about 10 minutes and I felt like it had some really good value. I hope so. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Great. Um, what are you going to be if you're not, if you're not a pastor, what are you going to be? The creative director of something awesome. Uh, I guess I'll default to people, right? But I would love to be a part of creative teams that innovated future ways of doing things well, for sure. Wow. How about creative director? Easy. Yeah, come on. That would be amazing, <laughs> bro. Even better would be to be a, I always tell people, this is a funny story. And uh, my good friend in Shlanchla Majorzi, the musician, he always laughs yeah. at me because he's black, but he's more white than me. I'm white, yeah. but I'm more black than him. Way better. That is way Come better. On. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is something that most pastors are not, like, don't really think about, but it's sometimes ministry can be, um, not, I don't want to use the word a burden, but let me use the word heavy. But how do you stay yeah. emotionally healthy with all the demands that are made from your life, um, your family demanding ministry, demanding like just all the demands that are made uh, on your life? How do you stay emotionally healthy? That's the best question you've asked all day. Honestly, I think wow. that is the golden question, honestly, because I don't always get this right. Uh, but I do believe that the hardest person to lead is yourself. It's not the people in the room. It's not the people that follow you. Yeah. We'll know that it's ourselves, right? Because we distract ourselves. We beat ourselves up with opinion inside our heads. Uh, we associate ourselves with the wrong voices. And those are all things of leading self. So I guess for me, I'm always asking questions. Am I surrounded by healthy voices? Am I doing regular time with God? Like it doesn't even matter if it's not producing anything. It doesn't matter if I'm not preaching any good messages out of it. Am I giving myself time to be alone with him? Uh, my good friend, John Mark Homer, in that book I was talking about, The Elimination yes. of Hurry, yes. he, he speaks about this idea of escape or encounter. And he said, what most people do is when they're alone, they go into form of escape. They, uh, they, they look for substance. They binge on Netflix. They like, and it's, I'm, not, I'm not judging anyone, man. Everyone for themselves. But he said, those that know how to lead themselves well, when they're alone, they go into a place of encounter. 
and they actually use it as a time to engage the thoughts that are unhelpful, to recalibrate voices that are shaping them, uh, to put books in front of them that are good. So for me, I guess if those rhythms are in place, I know the rest will take care of itself. Honestly, the burden of church is there to stay. The burden of people wherever you are is there to stay. But really the burden gets bigger when we think we're their God. You know, like when we, when we start to feel like if I don't show up, they won't make it. It's not true. The, the reality is if you don't show up is a bigger statement for yourself, as in does your real self show up, you know? Uh, and so I guess for me, I'm always looking, am I being authentic? Am I just being honest? And when those things start to fade, when I start to, uh, what's the word, fake it till you make it, I know that I'm heading yeah. for something unhealthy, right? Mm. And so I, I guess it's always just self-leadership. And I don't always get that right. I'm going to be honest, but it, it is a big deal for me. Wow. That's, that's a brilliant answer. You know, um, pastors, I, I was looking at it, the, the one day that pastors mostly uh, speak the most times is probably Monday because that means on the Sunday they, they, they counted the offering, then they realized that it's not even enough <laughs> they read. So, <laughs> so um, you know, most pastors I've, I've seen, I think, late last year, a lot of pastors committed suicide, a, a lot of pastors, um, you know, were hurting, but you know, obviously they, they can't speak about these things. They don't probably don't have people that they can yeah. speak and open up about these things that they're going through. And, and sometimes um, even your own members can make you go crazy, uh, hating, you know, you can have members in your church that are probably hating or, you know, saying bad things about you. How do you deal again with, um, let me call the word, let me call them haters. How do you, how do you deal with haters or people that are hating on you? It could be in your own ministry. It could be outside your ministry. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, there is a lot of that, right? And even in this time now, our church has been so present online. You can imagine the haters that are coming through the, the, the trolls of the internet, you know, looking for ways to just bring people down. So I guess for me, there's two things. If I can make contact with them, I will. And I'll love on them and I'll engage them. Wow. Uh, if I can't make contact with them, if they're elusive and they're non-responsive, I'll just ignore them. And that goes for real life every day as well. If someone has something to say and I can meet them for a coffee to talk about it, I probably will. But if, uh, if they're too far away, their comments are hurled from a distance, um, uh, I'll just, you know, we just move on and ignore it. So Carl Lentz actually said something really cool once. It was a statement that stuck with me. He said, if you, if you live for the opinion of man, you'll die by their criticism as well. Wow. And I just thought like that was, that was awesome, right? Um, so for me, when I'm, when I'm building church, when I'm leading my family, when I'm doing whatever I'm doing, I just think to myself, the goal here isn't the opinion of man. If they get on board and they get excited, that's awesome. And there will always be people that are, right? So you work with those that are for you, not against you. I think that's the golden rule for anyone is uh, don't try and convert haters, you know, engage them, but work with people that are for you. And wow. so it's funny when, when I'm preaching, even someone once said to me in a room full of a couple of hundred, there's always going to be a few that are falling asleep or not really liking what you have to say. And wow. he said, they're going to catch your attention. You know, you're going to actually notice them and they're going to capture your attention because for some reason we're so drawn to the hate mail. And wow. so anyway, and so when they catch your attention, intentionally shift to somebody that's smiling or saying amen or you know, whatever it is. And uh, I started doing it and it's so helpful. And I can see young preachers, young communicators, every time they start speaking and there's someone in the room that's negative, they make it their end goal to convert that person. And I just don't think that's well-spent energy. You know, Bible says, don't throw pearls to swine. And I, 
uh, you know, many ways to explain that scripture, but the, the, the rule of thumb is literally don't try and convert someone that's overtly against you. Wow. Let them be and work with people that are for you. Wow. Wow. This is, this is amazing. Wow. You have brilliant answers. Wow. Thanks, bro. This is fun, yeah. man. Yeah. Um, I mean, my, my, my question now is uh, I, I know that you have 16 staff members. Uh, how do you how do you select your leaders in the church? Is there a process that you use? Is there a, a, a certain criteria that you select leaders for different departments in the ministry? How do you do that? Yeah, so um, years back, look, Craig Rochelle's got some amazing content on selecting staff, hiring staff, and whatever. But it ultimately comes down to four simple ideas or four C's they call it, which is character, competency, um, culture, and chemistry. And so for me, we look at people that have those things, right? Character always trumps competency. Like you could do the job better than anyone in the world, but if your character doesn't show up when the going gets tough, you know, so we'll put, we'll see people in our church. We don't typically hire from the outside. We have once or twice. And to be honest, it hasn't really worked out. So we hire from people within the church, people that have done the hard yards, people that have been consistent in their characters, right? And then obviously show signs of competency within the skill we want or whatever it is. Uh, and then chemistry and culture are just big ones. Like, do they carry our heart? And is there chemistry? Do we like working together? So I see a lot of guys hiring the resource they need because they think it's important, but there's no chemistry. And it's a, it's so translates, you know, whether it's through design or communication or even music. And, uh, and so for me, those are the big ones, right? Nice and simple. And again, we've got it right sometimes and we've got some other stories too. Wow. Um, my struggle right now is that I can find a person who is great at their job, but they maybe do not have the character, you know, to fulfill what they're supposed to do or some, someone with the character, but not so good at what they're supposed to do. And then I end up going for the person who is great at what they do because I'm trying to maintain and achieve excellence. But now it affects me in, in, in massive ways because you get people that, you know, will make promises that they can't feel fulfill and you know and, and in the end it, it hurts so much so for a person like myself who is stuck in between you know you're always getting people that do not have the four c's uh you're getting people with maybe two of the four how do i manage that look i think let's be honest it's a journey like i think to say don't do anything until you know the perfect solution is no no one's going to be like that especially if you've got ambition or appetite or you're excited about some you know new ideas so sometimes it does mean taking a little bit of risk what i would say though is be honest with the people you hire from the beginning out so mm -hmm. if you're hiring someone that you can see lacks character tell them up front so i can see you've got incredible skill you know all the details but I, but if i look at you from a distance there's certain things about you that i'm i'm just aware of and so we're going to go on a slow journey together and i need your permission to speak into your life if those are things that only show up like a month or two or three months down the line, again, just be honest. I think to be honest with people is to be honoring of people. And so some conversations I've had along the way are the hardest conversations, but they've been honest and honoring. And so as a result, I'm on a journey, right? I made some bad decisions. Uh, I led people on a journey. I let them down. They let me down. It's just part of life. But I think the key is when we get to those junctions where we realize something's out, how do we handle it? And I think that's the key because in those moments, if we handle it badly, I think we lose credibility for the long haul. So I'd rather go slower on exits and slower on hires 
um, you know, so that we build relational currency for the long haul. Wow, great. Thank you very much. You know, my whole spiel is about empowering and developing next generation leaders. What's the biggest lesson that you have to teach young leaders, could be young pastors? Yeah. I got to, I got to quote uh, Craig Rochelle for you here, man. This is, this is for me being so helpful. He said, he said, don't overestimate what you can do in the short term, but never underestimate what you can do in a lifetime of faithfulness. Wow. And so for young leaders, uh, for guys out there, there is gold in you. I believe in young people, man. We've got a church of young people. I believe the next generation is going to go way beyond me. Uh, the whole goal of what I do is to set others up to go way beyond what I do. Wow. But I love that thought, which is to say, don't overestimate yourself in the short term. You know, just be patient. There's a lot of unbridled ambition. There's a lot of adrenaline pumping through your veins. And so let that power you, but don't get frustrated when it doesn't produce what you want. In the short wow. term, be patient and watch what God can do in a long season of faithfulness. Honestly, I think there's so much to be said for this. And for young guys, I would say as well, just keep a language of honor. Honor wow. is the greatest thing for your future. If you can honor leaders that go before you, they will set you up for wins that you don't deserve. And that's been true of my life. Honestly, I show up with gifts, uh, not to prove anything other than to be honoring and generous of people. Um, I'm always speaking life into leaders that have helped me. And they, to be true, have set me up for wins that I don't deserve. And that was never my intention, but that's what honor produces. You know? So honor the leaders that are before you. Be faithful with what you've been given and watch what God does in a lifetime. Wow. Well, wow, thank you very much. Um, I have this, uh, what I call 60 seconds of glory. Uh, <laughs> uh, so 60 seconds of glory is basically two things. You get to choose one. How it works is uh, with me here, I've got these little uh, scripture cards. So I can pick a random scripture. And what you have to do in the next minute is either preach a sermon-based uh, from the scripture card for one minute, random. It's not rigged in any way. Then, um, or you can have one minute to give us an just inspirational uh, message to the world, to the young people, to the leaders out there. I would, if I were to choose for you, I would choose this option. But um, let's do it, man. Let's do it. I can't it? promise anything, but let's give it a go. <laughs> Great. Um, so there are different colors here. I think there's, there's yellow, green, pink, I think. Which, which color do you want to go for? Let's take a pink one. Let's, let's go with pink today. Okay. Pink. Let's go for a bright pink somewhere there. I hope it's in Leviticus. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Then I'll preach in tongues, bro. <laughs> okay um oh wow this is actually uh psalm 62 verse 8 says god is our refuge that's the scripture <laughs> <laughs> all right well here we go when i think of a safe place i think of a strong place right so i think of uh i think of a house is a safe place i think of uh, my family is a safe place because they're strong around me i think of friends as a safe place because uh, they got my back when I can't fight my own battles. Even right now at home, my team are fighting battles for me because I'm stranded from a distance. And so I, I think of safe places as structure. I think of them as walls. I think of them as comfort zones, you know. So when I think the Lord is my refuge, I think of him as a safe place. 
He's got my back. He's got my future. I can go to him when I've got nothing left in me and I can rest in his presence and it's a safe place to rest. It's not dangerous. No one's going to attack me when I'm in his presence. And so I really do believe that if people are listening to this now and uh, come on, we're just preaching what God can do through this Psalm 62. He's my refuge. Therefore, when I'm with him, I'm okay. When I'm without him, I'm not. So here's a, here's a challenge to anyone out there. If you're feeling non-okay anywhere, it's a charge to get back in the presence of God because therein lies the safety and the comfort of his refuge. Come on. What do you think of that, bro? How do you do that? <laughs> How do you do that? <laughs> Dropping bars like that. Uh, no, buddy. That was, that was fun, man. Was I, 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 think, I think you would have been a great rapper. <laughs> because you must tell Majorzy, bro. <laughs> I will, because you just come up with, with, you just made this up right now. Like, wow, this is this is impressive. This is impressive. This is impressive. I, I must come for lessons. I need to come for lessons. Oh, <laughs> you do this. No, man, I'm learning from you, bud. Ah, come on. <laughs> okay, so um, my 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 last question, actually, because I, I know we're almost out of time. Um, my last question is. You know, if you had, to, if you look at your ministry uh, and you had to decide on one thing that you can say, our ministry is great at this thing, or we are very good at this, what would that thing be? Honestly, I would say, and anyone else that comes to Link would say the same. You could check with them. We are a life-giving church. We are an inspiring and life-giving church, whether it's our kids' ministry, whether it's groups, whether it's Sunday messages, whether it's our worship, whether it's our branding. We just, we want to be people that inspire life. And so I would say that's pretty much in summary who we aspire to be. Whether we get it right, I'll let you decide. But we want to be a life-giving church. Wow. I I know I say this was my last question, but I allow me, if I may, (laughs) just one last one. I'm sure whoever is watching will be um, curious to know where did link come from like how did you think of the name because it's 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 unique it's unique well you're gonna laugh when i tell you this right because um, we used to be called life 316 when we first started we went to the bank we wanted a bank account and they wouldn't give us the bank account for life church so we just called it life 316 right so it was just like <laughs> and so we started out as that and no one could get it right they were taught, calling it calling it life they were calling it life 316 they were calling it three so anyway, I got frustrated and I said, guys, come on, we need a new name. And we did this brainstorming session. We had like 60 names, Discovery Church, Faith Church, House on the Hill Church, you know, Life Church, whatever. And uh, I woke up one morning with Link, which in its simplest form was Life Incorporated. Um, but I woke, I woke up with Link, just Life Incorporated, just all of life in one place. And I went to the team and I was like, guys, what do you think? And they said, it's terrible. It's honestly, it's terrible. <laughs> And so we went through another process of like three months with our church, which was like 30 people back then talking about what would the name be. And anyway, at the end of it all, all of them came to me and said, Dill, we really, we really think that link was the name for our church. So we called it link, man. And uh, it's stuck. And so now people call it life in Christ. They call it love incorporated. They call it the link to everything. But you know, we give people permission at its core. It was just an idea. Wow. This this is genius. You you I, 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 you know what? I'm gonna start calling you a branding genius because this is genius. Wow. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate wow. it. If you've wow. got ideas for how we can make it work, I'm open. I'm open ears. Great, great. I'll think of something. Well, thank you very much for deciding to join me this 
was amazing. I really enjoyed this. I learned a lot. Um, I, I, I'll keep on learning from you. This was amazing. Thank you very much for agreeing to do this. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. And I appreciate what you're doing. I want to say it again that uh, I'm learning from you. Is not a, I'm not just saying that. Because when you say, let's do an interview, I want to help people grow in leadership and entrepreneurship. A lot of that is on my heart too. And I haven't been doing much of that. So it was wow. amazing to see you taking initiative, bro. So it's been awesome to be on the show, but also well done for taking initiative, praying that it goes somewhere exciting. Thank you very much. Thank you.